Welcome to My Last Watch. My name is Keely. And I'm Gunn. And today we're finally talking about how you got your Belova. Yes, it was a process. It took us two years, but finally the watch is here. We've talked about this in a couple of different podcasts. So if you don't mind, I'll just give the short Cliff Notes version of the backstory of this watch and feel free to interrupt me at any point. Sound good? I I like that. Yeah. But I'm slightly worried before we record this episode. We started our day off with a huge L. So hopefully we can turn it around. (laughs) We have to tell them what happened. (laughs) Yes. We went on a walk this morning. Whenever we go go out on walks, our goal is to have at least two Frenchie sightings. I'd be happy with one. But the goal is always two. Yeah, we want to run into two Frenchies. So we're always on the lookout as we're walking. And this morning, we see from afar what possibly looks like a Frenchie. And we're unsure. It's a smaller dog, shorter in stature, short legs. But as it got closer, we could tell it was a Frenchie because it had that unique Frenchie sidestep walk. Mm -hmm. And so we were getting super excited. I was hyping up the Frenchie. And then the girl decides to make like a detour and just avoids us altogether. So we ended up not being able to see the Frenchie at all. Huge disappointment. And we started our day off with a loss, with a huge L. (laughs) I can't disagree with that. It was very disappointing. Hopefully this podcast is not disappointing. (laughs) And for our listeners, if you are a Frenchie owner, please uh, comment below and we're willing to travel to come see you. (laughs) (laughs) Or let us know your Instagram handle and we can check out the Frenchies. We can preview the Frenchies. Would be would be even uh, better is if it was someone within the Seattle Watch community that had a Frenchie. Well, we're not. Yeah, we're not going to fly to go meet a Frenchie. We'll drive. I like Frenchies, but I, I don't want to be a creeper. So any Frenchie owners, let us know and we can make this happen. <laughs> All right, let's get the episode started. Okay. Before the pandemic started, Gunn had found this Instagram account mm-hmm. that was very well curated. Mm-hmm. And you noticed that this account had uh, one of your Grail Seikos. Yes. And at the time, my Grail Seiko was a 62 Moss. This wasn't a 62 Moss. But after seeing his curated collection, I started asking him different questions. I was like, oh, I had the 62 Moss on my radar for, you know, the Seiko Diver. But I love he had a Seiko 6159. I was asking more questions about it. And he kind of guided me towards the 6159. It was always on my radar, but until I saw it on his feed, I was like, oh man, I think I may prefer this one over the 62 Moss. So now I'm certain that 6159 is the Seiko Diver that I want in my collection rather than a 62 Moss. But you're correct. Yeah, he was the one that kind of influenced me. So that's the new grill. And eventually he ends up posting a Belova mm-hmm. that he's trying to sell. Yes. And you're interested in the Belova, but more so you're interested in seeing the Grail in person. You make I, an arrangement. I didn't really have a Belova uh, deep sea diver. I didn't have this on my radar until I saw it on his feed. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that popped out to me was like the ghosted bezel, which is like a faded uh, bezel. And that was so unique. I was kind of drawn towards it. 
It was meant to be, I think. <laughs> so you two make arrangements for you to buy the watch. You put down a couple hundred dollar down payment. Yep. And he had made offerings to ship this to you mm-hmm. because the pandemic had started at this point. You said, no, 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 that's okay. Hold off. I'd much rather meet you in person. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that is because you wanted to try on the Grail and see this Seiko in yes. person. To be honest, I was more excited about seeing the Seiko than the Bulova. So the entire goal was to see the 6159 in person because it is a rather expensive Seiko. And I really wanted to see it in person before I made that decision to commit. Gun weights. We did not expect the borders because uh, this watch buddy, he's from Vancouver, B.C., and at the time, the borders had closed and we're both like texting each other like, oh, in a few months, the borders will open up. So either I'll come visit you in Vancouver because we love Vancouver is one of our favorite cities to visit. Uh, best dumplings in America is in Vancouver. So North America. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not United States. America. No, in the Americas. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. In the Americas. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We wanted to meet up and we thought it was going to happen, but it didn't. And it took us two years to finally meet. So finally, early December, uh, this guy comes to Seattle or makes arrangements to come to Seattle. And I've just decided that his name should be William. But he had a different name, which I thought sounded very regal, very noble. And so like, I felt like it, William is a good pseudonym for him for this that episode. That is a good alias, yeah. But his name is like the perfect watch collector's name, I feel like. You would really, really think, is. yeah, when you hear his name, you're like, oh, he's such a credible watch collector just because of his name <laughs> i don't know why it kind of sounds like an older guy's name mm-hmm. yeah a vintage watch collector name but this guy actually wasn't wasn't very old he's probably around your age right? he was yeah yeah mm-hmm. but he had started collecting since college and he had a very unique story where he started off with seikos as well or once he learned how much a watch appreciates even at a um, cheaper level like a seiko i think he his first seiko was like a 200 dollars watch but eventually, he would end up selling that and make a profit. So I think that kind of opened his eyes to maybe this hobby, you can actually make money while enjoying the hobby. So he started collecting a lot more Seikos. He was saying that a lot of the times he actually finds these pieces on Craigslist. Yes, which I was very surprised because I've always been hesitant of Craigslist for watch shopping. I've never really looked into it. But after speaking to him, I've been on uh, the Craigslist here in Seattle and I've been looking for Seikos or different vintage watches. But I think you really have to know your watches to be able to pick or decipher that it's going to be a great Incredible. Yeah, yeah, vintage watch. You really have to know the movements and what to look for and make sure that it's not a fake piece or a Franken piece that you're getting. I do want to point out that early on, I was the one who recommended when we were looking into flipping watches mm-hmm. in order to get to this Grand Nomos campus. I was the one who had said, hey, why don't we look at Craigslist? And you immediately dismissed that idea. Like, no, it's too shady. And I love how now all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's actually a good deal. Maybe we should start looking on Craigslist. This is true. I was sketched out about getting uh, her Craigslist transactions. But after speaking to this uh, watch body, it seems like if you know what you're looking for, you could find a great watch. And I'm not forcing you to sell your watches or attempt to sell you watches, Mm -hmm. but I like that you met this guy because I think he also proved that it's very possible to get a watch and end up selling it because he does this really Mm -hmm. regularly, right? I think it sounded like 
he looks on Craigslist, and then a lot of times he sells pieces on eBay. Yes. And then, obviously, Instagram. Mm-hmm. So he kind of has a system figured out. Yes. And then for him, I talked about this for my New Year's resolution goals for watch collecting. His direction is very focused on a specific model and collecting the different references from different years where there's a very small difference. It you can only tell the difference if you actually know these watches. But it's the same model. Correct. It's the okay. same model. So he mm-hmm. collects, you know, five, six different pieces from a Seiko diver, or he also likes Tudor snowflakes and some mariners. And so he collects a lot of different variants from the same model. That reminds me of the story where a father had gifted his son the same model of watch for on every birthday up until I think he was like 18 or 21. This was a while, oh, a while back. That, that's and actually really cool. I can't remember what type of watch it was. We should try to pull this up. Mm-hmm. Um, but the son ended up selling some of the collection. No. I don't think it was no. all of it. But it was for a down payment on, the, on a house. Okay. So, I mean, it was for good reason. Oh, that's so sad that he ended up selling a few of the pieces. But I guess, yeah, your dad understands if you're putting a down payment for our house. So it looks like dad chose well with the watches. Uh, he must have chose yeah. well because it ended up appreciating over time. Dad had great taste in watches. It right. Seems like. I mean, I think the the watch that they chose must have been a sought-after brand or sought-after model. But anyways, you ended up meeting up with this guy. And I think you were a little bit nervous, a little bit giddy. Also, more so, I've never really met someone like i've been to watch meetups where there's a group of people but this was like a one-on-one get together so that was kind of unique and then i also had a hidden agenda i think that's what made me a little bit more nervous when you told me your plan you seemed pretty confident that he would agree to it yes and on the other hand i was thinking I don't know if that's going to happen. I'll let you explain what you're going to propose to to William. When we met up, you know, we started talking about watches and he knew even before we met up, the 6159 was a grail of mine now. Mm -hmm. And I told him multiple times that I'm interested in his watch whenever it's time for him to sell. The original plan for me was to offer a price for this watch. After I saw it in person and I knew I liked the watch, I was going to give him uh, an offer that he couldn't refuse. You didn't tell me this before. But I did tell you, like, as it got closer, I was like, I may put down $10,000 for a watch. No, you didn't. You didn't didn't (laughs) tell me that at all. What you did say is, hey, I'm going to bring some of pieces from my own collection, like my chrono, mm-hmm. um, some other pieces that he may be interested in, because I would like to do a watch swap for 24 hours mm-hmm. where I get to basically have his Seiko, <laughs> and I don't know, wear it on the couch and just look at it for 24 hours. And then, and he, in exchange, can look at some of my watches. Yes, so mm-hmm. to make it a fair trade, I brought four or five different watches that would total in the value of the, the Seiko. <laughs> I brought my watch box and then, well, that was the plan A and plan B was after I had that watch for a day, I would tell him I really love the watch and this is how much I'm willing to pay for it. But during this meeting, I could tell he loved, like this was the last watch that he was going to sell and he wasn't ready to sell it. And also the price that I was offering wasn't going to be like this insane amount where he'd be like, all right, right. you know. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of knew that plan wasn't going to work. 
So I didn't even ask him. Okay, because you knew you'd be embarrassed. Yeah, because then it would just be awkward if I'm like, hey, I really like this watch. I thought you did ask him. No, no. And he was worried like, oh, you know, I don't, you know, I just wouldn't want anything to happen to your watches. Yeah, yeah. So when I, no, 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 I asked him about trading for a day. Yeah, but not like a price. Yeah, yeah. The buying part I didn't even Mm -hmm. mention, but the trading part I did mention. (laughs) So during the meal, you know, I gather up the courage and I'm like, William, (laughs) do you think we could swap watches for 24 hours and then I'll bring the watch back to you? I have brought five different pieces that kind of equals in price of the Seiko 6159. He refused, but his excuse was reasonable. He was going to be traveling that day and he didn't feel comfortable having five different watches in his car. Something could happen. And so he did promise me that next time we're in Vancouver, he'd love to invite me to his place or he'll let me borrow the watch. But during this trip where he was going to be traveling a lot, moving from place to place, he didn't feel comfortable having my watches, which... It's fair fair enough. Like, I understand. I was devastated because I did think I was going to be able to... Gun was was very <laughs> confident when we were talking before. And in my mind, I'm like, eh, I don't know. And it's nothing against you as a person. It's not like you're not trustworthy. I think it's anyone who's, you know, has worked so hard or has gotten this mm-hmm. thing that they think is very special to hand it off to someone else. You're just worried, like, strength. what if yeah. could, you know, no, something I... could happen? You just never know. No, I definitely understand his thought yeah. process. And especially like, you know, traveling, you don't feel comfortable. But I think the watch community in, in itself, it's a very unique community. I think we're very trustworthy. And it also depends. What's unique is we were talking about this. Uh, he was talking about how he's met a lot of different watch collectors. And he's been to a lot of watch meetups. People that own specific brands even within the watch community, are very different in personality and dynamics. Whenever he meets like a person that collects a bunch of vintage Seikos, they have that initial connection because we like the same watches. And a lot of times people who like Seikos are more prefer to fly under the radar. When you think of Seikos to a non-watch collector, it's like just the most simple, basic watch brand. And so I think the people that really hyper-focus on collecting Seikos are a very unique group. And a lot of times they're very trustworthy. <laughs> I think you're just sl- slightly biased. But I am I'm very biased, that, yeah. Um, that's how you'd characterize these folks. And then just the fact that I was able to just send this stranger a few hundred bucks for a down payment for a watch. And he's not really even active on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But just by looking at his curated collection, I was like, he seems like a very trustworthy person. Well, and it's nice that he honored your original agreement just because I'm sure it's risen in value over the past couple of years, the, yeah. the price point. It definitely has. Yeah. And he was also nice enough to not wear it, which I was like, I don't mind you wearing the watch. And he was like, no, once like you put the <laughs> down payment down, it's yours. I'm just holding on to it. So I don't yeah. want to add any more scratches, any more character to the watch. And I was like, oh, I'm totally fine with you wearing it. But he didn't. This watch has exceeded your expectations. It really has. It's grown on me quite a bit. Uh, after seeing it in person, it's in amazing condition. And then that bezel, the ghosted bezel, is very unique. And then it's a reverse panda dial. And it's like things, even though I have chronographs, it's very different. But yeah, all in all, it was a great time. We met up for lunch, uh, spent a few hours together, talked watches. I really learned a lot. More of like the collecting philosophy was very interesting that he only had a few different models of watches that he was interested in, but then owned like six to eight pieces of each model. What about the Belova? Was this, does he have multiple Belovas or was this a one-off? 
I think this was a one-off, but he had a few vintage chronographs that were similar. Mm. It wasn't the same brand, but he had it from the similar era or similar movements. And this chronograph, of course, or maybe not, of course, but it did come with box and papers. This one did not. Oh, wait. No, I wait, know, wait, I know, wait, wait. I know. That's against but- your philosophy. Okay. Yes. I was going to segue into a different conversation, but now it's a little bit harder to <laughs> no, do that. No, but, but it was okay. in mint condition, but not with box and papers. So I believe this Is this, this a real a- Belova or is this a Falova? <laughs> I hope Belova it's not a Falova. I hope it's not a Falova. Hmm. But yes, this one did not come with box and papers. Part of the reason why I bring that up is because this past weekend, some friends from California came and visited. It's funny because we had only met the, met these folks like a, a month before mm-hmm. through uh, a mutual friend. And we always tell people like, oh, come visit us in Seattle. And like very few people actually like follow through <laughs> and do that. So the fact that these folks actually came after a month is pretty impressive. Uh, but this guy, also a watch collector. Yes. You two had started talking about collecting watches. And he had mentioned that with all of his watches, he actually throws away the box and papers. Which just blew my mind. I cannot believe that someone would proactively just throw away the box and papers. But his reasoning was he knows he's never going to sell his watches. And so this is just a way for him to make it his own watch. Yeah, it was a little bit hard for me to (laughs) understand because I think originally he said like because he was worried. worried. Yeah, And I don't know if he was like actually worried or if it's more so your reasoning like he just knows he's going to keep it forever. Yeah. So why does it matter? But I don't oh. know. It's just so <laughs> against my philosophy or like, because mm-hmm. growing up, I collect a lot of different things or things. My dad's like a huge collector, collector. of various like <laughs> baseball cards or like Superman figurines. And for those types of collectibles, or at least for figurines it's like you you never open the package keep it in the box. <laughs> yeah you keep it in the box maybe you put a case around it mm-hmm. so it just blew my mind that the first thing you do when you buy it is throw away, throw away, the, box away the, yeah, the box and papers and i could tell in your mind you were kind of stressed out yeah. like i could tell the wheels are spinning like wait <laughs> this guy actually does this i thought he was joking at first no. but he also has a few watches in his collections he's more of a modern collector so he collects like modern IWCs. I don't know if he had. What lunch. was he wearing? Was that? It was an IWC pilot's mm-hmm. watch. Mm-hmm. But then to think that every watch you buy, you're tossing away the box and papers. It just pained me. I, yeah, I was crying inside. Yeah, it's just so <laughs> against like any collector's philosophy. Like you never get rid of. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were collecting Beanie Babies, it's like you never cut off the tag. <laughs> you keep the tag intact. You put that little tag protector on. So yeah, that was. That was a surprise to me. So I, did, I think we did confirm that sunmat is actually a thing during this trip because <laughs> we all because <laughs> yeah. we all went for sushi. We went uh, to the same sushi restaurant for omakase, and we all agreed it's not the same when some, the sushi chef is wearing a glove. I want to clarify my statements from last episode. <laughs> I believe mm-hmm. that it is best practice to mm-hmm. not wear gloves. Yeah. I've seen Jiro dreams of sushi. You know, I know mm-hmm. my stuff. <laughs> what I was not convinced of is that you, 
could tell the difference. Boo, I can, that's where my tell, da- I, that's I, where my I, doubt was. My doubt so. wasn't that it was like best practice to do that, but it was funny because y'all were like talking in Korean, and then all of a sudden here you're like, oh yeah, soma, soma, soma. Yeah. So I guess it is actually like. And a then the sushi chef. Um, uh, he also mentioned that his biggest difficulty is he can't get the pressure right because it's very minuscule difference within that pressure of the rice, but that makes the biggest difference. And so he said it was much more challenging to feel that grip. And it takes long, it takes longer because he was saying like, yeah, when it gets really busy, it's yeah. so frustrating yeah. <laughs> not being able to actually grip it. Mm-hmm. Normally you'd be able to grip it and it's just a one step process, but now you're kind of, you know, having to touch it a lot more and get a feel for it. So I just wanted to say we did prove that some mud is an okay. actual yeah it's a thing it's a thing i'll admit i'll admit i was a little skeptical like okay this is like an actual korean term but you know. but then also the thing is going out with koreans you always have to have your card credit card in handy because i think korean style everyone just paid. i think that's an asian thing not just Koreans. yeah, yeah. and so always having the credit card handy because going out we normally don't do a lot of drinking, but my no. buddies, when we go out with friends, we do a lot of drinking, so the bill does get pretty hefty. It's ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, adding drinks, I, that can easily that, double the bill. Yeah, when it's just the two of us, yeah. like I order a beer or two, you know, but that doesn't really impact it. But when you're actually, when you have a group of friends going out and you're ordering a lot of drinks, it definitely adds up. So you have to be fast. You have to be strategic. You have to like go early and put your card down. Yeah. But you should have known that. Like, that's kind of on you. I know. Yeah, that was kind of on me. <laughs> but we, we paid for some of the other mm-hmm. dinners. Did not add up to as much as a omakase. But yeah, but it was, really it, was nice. an, it was an amazing meal. It was kind of nice because I got to show off my watch collection. And... That was pretty cute. You guys were just sitting on the ground. I felt like we were chaperoning a play date. <laughs> and we're, <laughs> we're just like looking... crisscross applesauce, going through each watch. <laughs> What was the one that he was most impressed with? Probably the IWC, uh, the Yacht Club, because we're talking about how for me... Is that the Porsche one? or No, 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 no. The blue one, my first vintage watch, Mm -hmm. how I set parameters to kind of control my watch buying tendencies. I try to make it as difficult as possible, uh, and that's trying to find watches in mint condition. Also, most of the times, box and papers. But yeah, it was kind of nice to kind of share our collecting philosophies interesting <laughs> yeah well i do hope that i get to add more pieces from william's collection the thing was the seiko 6159 he had what he wants to do when we're talking about it he has a couple of different variants of this watch so seiko came out with a newer reissued version i think it's the sla 025 and then he has one other reissue of this watch so he has a set of three and so he wants to sell all three of those pieces together. And so when he said that, that's when I was like, okay, I probably shouldn't just offer to purchase one of these watches. because right, he'd break up the collection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was really cool to see, like, he wanted to collect the entire collection of, like, you know, the, having the original and having the reissue and then having another variant. So I could tell that he was really um, passionate about this specific model. But yeah, hopefully now that I've purchased one, this was kind of like getting my foot in the door, getting the introduction. And then now, hopefully moving forward, whenever he needs to sell another watch, uh, I'll be on top of that list. So I'm very happy with my Belova, and I look forward to adding more pieces from William's collection. Oh, boy. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's going to be a wrap for us. Thanks so much for listening. 
and we'll see you next time. We'll see you next week. Or we'll see you in two weeks. (laughs) Two weeks. All right. Bye. Bye, watch fam. To see some of the watches featured on today's podcast, check out My Last Watch Pod on Instagram. That's My Last Watch Pod, all one word, on Instagram.